Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we have Deanna with us, and she is going to share her story of her cesarean with her first and then her home birth with her second. So, Deanna, if you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are. Um, so, I'm Deanna, and I am actually I'm going to be 37 in two days. Well, yeah. happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and I have Nika, who's three and a half, and Nino, who is almost seven. So Nino was my C-section and he was born in 2014. I was in um, a really great practice, a really like ideally good practice that was very natural minded in the area outside of Chicago. So I was with them trying to plan my natural birth in a hospital because I wasn't um, comfortable, I guess. I didn't know as much about home birth and it was my first kid and that was just kind of the norm. Right. So, but I knew I wanted to do it natural. I didn't want an epidural. I didn't want all kinds of interventions. Um, I took classes and I wanted to, I do like labor and water and this was the place I could do it. Um, and I had a very like easy, normal pregnancy, like no complications. And that was just what I planned for. I filled my head with all of these natural things to combat, you know, pain or whatever, and read positive birth stories and try to prepare myself as best as I could. I didn't do um, hypnobirthing because I think there's certain type of people that works for, and I just probably wasn't going to be one of them, but I did yoga and I tried to keep my body like flexible and open and all that. And, um, everything was like going well with my pregnancy and I was 40 weeks And so they were like, oh, you know, let's just stretch your membranes. (laughs) And um, I was like, okay, well, I didn't like at that point, I guess I didn't know that that was maybe a little bit more invasive than necessary. So we did that and they were like, oh, you know, giving your baby a noogie. My midwife said like, I'm feeling the sutures in the top of his head and you'll probably go into labor within like 24 hours. And I was like, okay, actually I was 40 was 40 and five or 40 and six. So I had NST, but the baby was fine, everything. So she did this and I was like, okay. Um, and nothing happened. So then they were like, okay, well, we really need to, you know, do the NST and make sure, cause we're reaching 41 weeks. And they're like, just drive over to the hospital. It was like two miles away from the doctor's office. And I did that and I laid on the table and the radiologist, you know, was doing it. And she said, Oh, your baby's breached. And I laughed at her because I said, Oh no, my midwife was giving him a noogie. And I'm 41 weeks, so I would feel seven pounds in my stomach flipping over. And she goes, No, no, your baby's breached. And I was like, No, 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 he's not. My midwife just felt him like eight minutes ago. And she goes, Your baby is breech. And then I just like started crying because I'm like, I had no, there was nothing in my schema. Like all along, my baby was supposedly in the proper position. Nobody had said otherwise. And I just wasn't, I just didn't expect this. And so I knew about versions and 
they called for the doctor in my practice and he was on vacation, had no idea he was on vacation. So I just had the on-call doctor and this was just such a shock and there was a midwife there and I just didn't know what to do. And basically they said, we can give you a version. It's 50% chance of it being successful or not. It may be really painful and either way you're going to have to start on Pitocin and like we have to get the baby out within 12 hours and oh and you know his cord might be wrapped around his neck you know so all these like scary things. Did they say why why a 12 hour time frame with that like just because that's from when that's just what that what that doctor was comfortable with you know that's usually how it is it's just like what the doctor wants. Right. So, but was um, it just because he was, or your baby was breech? Is that, because I never they, heard that before. Yeah, it was like, just because if they were going to do the version, that there was no indication that my baby was under stress or anything like that, or I didn't have any issues. But he just felt like if he did the version and did that manipulation, he just like wanted the baby out, especially probably because I was over 40 weeks and that makes everybody all nervous anyways. Um. And I did ask him, like, if this was your wife, what would you want her to do? And he said, like, I would try the version. But it was just, we. it was so outside of everything we had planned that it was just felt like, I don't want to, like, add stress. Like, I didn't want a C-section, but I just felt like all of that. And then I was still going to probably end up with Pitocin and be uncomfortable and then have an emergency C-section. And I was like, I feel like that's worse. So I just kind of succumb, you know, like to it, surrendered and like, let them do it. And it was like, it was hard, but I was like in the moment. So I was just like happy I was going to meet my baby. And I mean, probably within three weeks of having my baby, I was already researching how I was going to be back the next one. And that's all I read for years and years. Um, I, you know, after probably like a year, he was a year that we tried for another and I lost, I well, I had a miscarriage and then I had another ectopic because I had one ectopic before my son. Um, but either way, I was still just consuming everything I possibly could about how I was getting my V back because I was having a baby. And I had also basically decided it was going to be at home because I didn't feel like there would ever be any way that like mentally I could progress the way I needed to in a hospital setting because of such a negative experience with my C-section, not just because of like the surgical aspect of it, just with the nurses and the basically like everybody just having their own way of doing things. And this is like, that made no sense that nurses were like, well, you have to do this because this is how I do it. And I'm like, that's not a policy. That's not how I want to do it. So I just was like, I don't see myself being able to be successful in my goal if I go into a hospital again, period. So I only researched finding midwives. And for me, really, you know, it was just a CPM because there's really only like, I don't know, one, maybe two CNMs that I knew that would even touch a primary VDAC at home. Um, and I, one of them I did interview with and was going to use, but she always took vacation the month I was due. It's like, well, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so then I went with the CNM and um, just, I had dual care. I was seeing an, a different OBGYN with my second pregnancy. And 
I saw him until like about 30 weeks just because I wanted to get that 20 week anatomy scan. And I wasn't quite sure which midwife I was going with. So after I got that, and then he wanted me to like do the GBS test and I didn't want to do that. So then I just kind of never went back. Did you ever tell him that you were planning on having a home birth? So I did. And I knew from the the community that he wasn't a fan, but I'm like, well, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to ask him if he would be my backup. Um, And I had heard that there was a doula who was close with him and he agreed to back her up for her home birth. Um, And so I said to him, um, I think you're great, but I I really, I'm going to have this baby at home. I'm wondering, you know, if something arose, if there was an emergency, like even beforehand, like say I got high blood pressure or something and I just wanted to come in and he was like, no, absolutely not. That's so dangerous. I don't condone that. Uh, You're on your own. I'm not going to be any part of that. And I said, okay, have you seen uterine rupture? And he's elderly, I would say. So he's been around in the business a long time. And he was like, no, but this one time, almost. Almost. I'm like, like, this one time. And so, yeah. And I'm like, so how long have you been practicing? And it was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm off on the number, but it was upwards of 40 years. And he specialized basically in VBACs. I mean, there was, that's where everybody goes. And no, but this one time, almost. And I'm like, I like my chances, done my research. Thank you. And that's it. And so I left and I continued care with my midwife and I had an amazing age back at home. I had to, I did have to transfer after I didn't, my daughter did. Um, because when I was delivering her, I didn't like wait for the next contraction. Like, I guess you're supposed to deliver the head. And then wait for the next contraction to deliver the shoulders. Because when you do that, it squeezes their lungs together and it drains a lot of fluid that comes out of them. Well, I already had like a little bit of her head out in the next contraction. I just like pushed her whole body out. So she didn't get that lung compression. And so they were concerned that she had fluid and they just wanted to make sure she would get it out. Um, Unfortunately, like my birth team didn't really like give me all the details and discuss it with me, but they just were a little worried. And I guess none of the three, four of them were able to stay overnight just to monitor. So instead of giving me the option to say like, look, we just want somebody to be here in case, but we're all kind of busy. They just said, we're transferring you to the hospital because, um, you know, we're concerned there's fluid in her lungs. So do I wish that they told me that and like gave me the option? Yes. Um, but do I regret doing my home birth because of it? Because my daughter had to go to the hospital after? No, because she was safe. She coughed it all up on her own. Everything was fine. I'm just really upset, I guess, that she had to have antibiotics because when I did go to the hospital, they treated us like a really dirty home birth and I didn't have a GBS test result. So she was on antibiotics for like almost 48 hours, but I started fighting with the doctors and I got her off after like 36 hours or something. Um, But I still see my birth as amazing. I still feel like those women there were how I got through it. And, you know, essentially that I got what I wanted, my healing 
you know, proof that uh, my body was capable, proof that I could deliver. Like I wanted my baby to be born vaginally for health reasons for them. And so I would do it again. My husband doesn't feel like he's a huge fan of midwives because the first one said she was giving my kid a noogie and was not. And then um, the second one also dropped our baby when she was being born. We were on a bed. There was a lot of olive oil and she just like slipped through her gloves, but baby was safe. But he's always just like, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to have a baby in a hospital again. He was like, I don't know. Was he, was he supportive when you originally said, I want a home birth? Um, he wasn't super excited about the idea, but because he had so many years to warm up to it, because like I said, it was right after my son's birth. Um, you know, all I said was really just that, like, you know, this was the way I am going to achieve my goal. I feel like this is to, to give myself the best shot at doing this. And I didn't talk about it like that. I didn't say like, this is my best option. It was like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how it'll be best for me to do it. Um, He still wasn't excited about it. So we did talk to like other people who had home births. I made him watch movies about home birth. He felt a lot better when he met the first midwife we interviewed, the one that was actually a CNM. So he felt a lot better with her. And also we lived within 10 minutes of a hospital. So I go worst case scenario. And he knew, he knew some of the data that just basically like if something were to happen, it's almost always usually before it's never like a minute by minute, like emergency situation. And if so, we can get to the hospital in 10 minutes. And so he was like, okay, I feel better about that. But we purposefully also didn't tell any of our parents because we knew that wouldn't um, be supported. So the only person in our family that knew that that was our plan ahead of time was my sister because she was coming over to watch my older one. And then after I had the baby, we called all of our parents like an hour after and they were like, what? They just had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's kind okay. of a fun, a fun surprise to add to with the arrival of a new baby is, and by the way, baby was born at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a good liar and I just tried to avoid the conversation when people asked and I was technically like with the other doctor. So I like was like, oh, I see him at, you know, CDH or whatever, you know, the hospital, but I just tried to avoid it because I was like, I knew there was going to be negative comments. And I just in my head, since I planned this, I had no place in me for any negative anything. So I just wasn't allowing it. Good for you for having that well, it's like, I knew I needed to, cause I knew like my mother-in-law lacked boundaries and I knew my mom would be supportive, but scared and worried and like express that. And I didn't want any of that. I already have so much from society, like, cause it's not the norm that I just, I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. So I was like, we're just not going to tell them it just doesn't, it's not going to work. And I see online right now, even just today I was answering in a, in a group, like, they're like, how do you handle negative comments? I'm like, you don't tell them, <laughs> you know, like, unless you need them to be a part of something or it's somebody that you can sit down and have like a knowledgeable conversation with, and they can be open. I just wouldn't advise doing it. It's your business. It's your, it's your baby, your birth. You get to do it. How, however that looks and works best for you. Yeah. So how did your labor start with your home birth? Um, so I was due on the 4th of July 
and we like walked to the park to see fireworks on the third. And I like felt like I was having a little bit of contractions, um, but like nothing consistent or anything. And I was like, Oh, okay. This feels like good. Like this is going to actually happen on its own for once, you know? And the next day was my due date, you know? So I was like, Oh, this is good. And it was just, I don't know what we did the next day, just like hung out. It was chilled. Nothing happened. Um, and then the next day as I was getting into bed, I started having like real contractions and they were like quick. Everybody's like, Oh, you should just like, you know, bake cookies, act like nothing's going on. But like, that was, I could not do that. I tried to like be chill, but I like told my husband about it. And then my son would come running at me to like play or something. And I'm like, no, no, I can't play with you. Like I would just keep escaping to the bathroom every like two or three minutes so that I could like hold onto the counter and like, you know, um, and then they just increased called my doula, you know, normal stuff. Was that later in the day or was that in the morning? Did you say? So, so it started probably like maybe like seven or eight at night. And then my doula was like, well, try to lay down and see how it goes and whatever. So I tried, it was maybe 11, 11.30. I was like, yeah, I can't do this alone anymore. So she came over and she helped me. And then it was getting like really intense. And like, she called the midwife and she was like, you know, it's getting really intense. And she was like, oh, I don't think, you know, like that would be so soon and blah, blah, blah. So she, the midwife waited. And then I want to say she came at like maybe, maybe 3 a.m. And she was like, no, you know, I don't think you're close. It's going to be a long time. I'm just going to go back home. I really like you to get some sleep because now you've been up all day and almost all night. So um, can you take something and go to sleep? I'm like, well, I'm not taking any drugs or anything. She was like, you really need sleep to, to do this. And I was like, okay. Like, what can I, she was like, just take Benadryl. I was like, okay, fine. I'll take Benadryl. Cause she wanted me to like have a glass of wine. And I'm like, that's not going to make me tired. You know? So I had Benadryl and I went to bed probably like six in the morning and I was able to sleep for a couple of hours, maybe till like nine or 10 AM. And then I like got out of bed with like a raging contraction just out of nowhere, got in the shower and my husband's like, I need to call the doula again. So the doula came back right away. She, as soon as she got there, it was like 1130 or 12. She called the midwife and she listened to me. I was in the shower and that was like animal noises. So she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, she might be ready. So then the midwife came at like one and then I was laboring in the water. I was doing really well. It felt amazing to get in the water. And it was like, I love water. It's soothing. Was it like a big birth tub or your shower? So I got one of those tubs off Amazon, but I didn't buy the one that everybody buys. Cause I was like, I'm not paying $150 for that. So I bought a like chintzier one for like 60. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Don't buy the cheaper one. No, <laughs> no. I put my arms on it to lean back and it like the whole thing. Oh. Water. Like, so, so my midwife had a tub in her um, trunk and she just, she just got that for me. She was like, it has a small hole, it'll work and we'll just use this and then I'll throw it away after this birth. Okay. So thank goodness. So she did that. So anyways, it was much better when I got the second tub up 
and labored in there. And I felt like um, my daughter was pushing her head out and told, you know, told the midwife and she was like, no, you're just feeling it wrong. Just like, hold it in. You're not ready. So, okay. She told my husband at this time at like probably one or two or whatever, that um, it was going to be a long time. It wasn't going to be till like maybe nine or 10 o'clock at night. He was like, Oh, okay. Cause she like, seems like she's like really close. And she was like, no, it's going to be a long time. So she just laid on the couch and took a nap. And like, I was like basically holding in my child. I feel like at this point for a while. And then finally, cause she felt like I wasn't dilated enough. I think she didn't want me to push too soon. And she felt like I wasn't dilated enough. Cause then I would tear or the baby wasn't going to come out. So they wanted me to get out of the, the tub. So I got out and my, my doula had one of those peanut balls. So I laid like on my side with the peanut ball in between my legs for a while and kind of rested. And that was like surprisingly comfortable. Cause I, couldn't that whole time pretty much lay down during a contraction. It was super painful. But with that peanut ball, it was manageable. And when I did that, and then when my doula was looking at me, she was like, I really think like this baby's coming out. And this was at like four, four thirty. So she went and got the midwife from the couch, woke her up from her nap, and she was like, I really think you should come check her. So they came to check and they were like, Oh yeah, okay, you can push. <laughs> So, um, I was like on all fours on the bed pretty much when I pushed her out and, um, she was born by like five. So a lot quicker than the midwife had anticipated. Yeah. And so overall, I guess it was like 19 hours, but like, and people hear that, especially if you haven't done it, it sounds like a lot, but like, to me, it doesn't feel like it was that long at all because time just kind of flies like when you're having fun, <laughs> but no, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel that long. It didn't feel unmanageable. I felt like it was like one day, like I could give birth. Like if, so, if I could be a surrogate to give birth over and over, I would do that. I don't want to be pregnant, carry your child for you for ten, nine or 10 months, but I'll give birth like probably once a month. Like it's like, to me, I mean, sure. It's not like it didn't, it wasn't uncomfortable, but like, I don't know. It feels like, I feel like people think marathons are like I felt accomplished and empowered and just like, it was tough, but it was just amazing. That's awesome. I've never heard that one before. Like, I don't want to carry the baby, but I'll give birth to the baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Like, yeah, I would really do. I would really give birth to people's babies for them, but I just, I don't want to walk around with it in me for a year. <laughs> so then um, after after you had that initial hospital transfer and then you get back home, what does that postpartum time look like, especially compared to your first baby? Um, I just felt a lot more present and I felt attached to my daughter. Um, people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you like admit this. But after I had my son, I feel like it was like a month until I felt like he was like really mine and I was attached. Um, it's not like I didn't love him or whatever, but I just it was very, it was like, I don't know. It was like surreal. Cause it didn't feel like, and I'm not like, you know, people say when you're like that, you didn't give birth when you have a C-section and it's not like about that, but like, I didn't feel like part of the experience. I just felt like I was like laying on a table, like not experiencing it. And I wasn't, maybe I was a nanny for a long time. So I 
taking care of babies before. And so I don't know, it just felt very like surreal. Like I was playing house and didn't feel super connected. And with my daughter, I felt instantly connected. And I feel like physically the after part of it, like was difficult. I'm not going to say it wasn't difficult to like recover from a vaginal birth. Um, in ways maybe a little bit more difficult than recovering from a C-section, but I had also had like abdominal surgery as a teen. So I kind of knew what that recovery was like. Um, and you're sore, you know, in your core and you're walking around, but like the whole being sore on your vulva and vagina is like a new thing. you right. So, and like the first time I peed, like pee was shooting in seven directions and I didn't know what was happening. So that was like, not fun, but, um, I just felt like I remember when she was that young and like, I remember being in those moments and with my son, it was just all like a haze and I didn't like, and I nursed both my kids immediately. So like, it wasn't, I don't know. I just felt like, and then after my body did that initial healing, like in my parts, like the rest of my body, I feel like just kind of fell back into itself much quicker than it did. Cause I feel like it knew it gave birth. And when I had a C-section, my body didn't know that it, it didn't like, it didn't give birth in my eyes. Right. My body, I, my son knows, like, I'm like the doctors cut you out of me. And so it's like your biological, like your body doesn't know. And so it doesn't know to do all the regular things it does after you have a baby. And so I feel like all of that stuff was difficult. Yeah, that cocktail of hormones that you get after having a vaginal birth, whether, I mean, it can get interrupted if you have things like an epidural or other interventions too, but especially a, a vaginal birth at home, those hormones are going to be a lot stronger and there's not as much getting in the way of them as there is when you have a C-section because a C-section is a surgery, like you said. I mean, it's, it's interrupting the normal biological process. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that I, I've heard that time and again, that the the bonding can be different and not to say people don't bond immediately after a C-section, but it, I think it's just a little bit more difficult sometimes because those those hormones are interrupted and it's not not what your body was anticipating to happen. Right. Exactly. I agree. So I guess just taking your whole, your whole journey into account for any women that are currently planning a home birth after having had a cesarean or are maybe on the fence and just kind of exploring their options. Is there any advice that you would give or anything that you would say? I mean, I think it's some of the stuff I touched on basically like my, it's like, people will say like, what's your list of must-haves for like an H-back or a V-back? And like, what I say is like, obviously your team matters, but to me, my doula was imperative. If I didn't have my doula, I don't know how successful I would have been. It wasn't like I was ever like asking for an epidural or anything like that, but my husband wanted to be helpful, but I just don't think like he understood and he didn't have the experience that she did. And so she knew exactly like the counter pressure I needed on my back or what I needed to do or different things. And I just feel like if I didn't have her, everything would have been a lot more overwhelming and difficult. So like, I always say dual is kind of number one for me. 
Um, but then other than that, like, I feel like another thing was I really did make sure to keep myself in better condition with that pregnancy than I did with my first. I swam like two, three times a week and I was obviously chasing a toddler and I was just trying to put good things in my body, more good things. Even if I, I mean, it wasn't like I still ate chocolate peanuts like every single day, but like I always tried to put good things in my body also. Um, and just reading and filling my head with positive stories from people and just reading books and watching, it was just all positive. Like there was no, it wasn't like I didn't know that there are complications. I knew all that, but that was just like basic facts that I had already crossed over because I already felt comfortable with them because I didn't feel like the risk outweighed the benefits in any way. So I just continued to consume all the positive things I could about it. And again, I also never, I never used the word try or attempt or TOLAC ever. That was not a thing for me. It was, I am having an H-back period. There was no, I think, I hope I'm going to try. And that's not a kind, that's like the kind of person I am in life at all. But this was so important to me that it was just like, I'm doing it, period. You know? And those words have power because that's what you're filling your mind with and your body responds to that too. Yeah, I really think it did. I don't know how I was able to remain that positive because I'm not a super positive person and I'm not really good at that, anything else in my life. But with that, it was just that that's how it was. Did you do any prenatal care with the doula? I don't know if prenatal care would be the right word. Any prenatal preparation with the doula? um, Not much. Like, so it's funny. I kind of like won her services in a way. There's like a group, a local group, and they do like a pay it forward thing every year. And I, she had off, she does birthing classes and she's a doula. And she also has a partner doula who does encapsulation and they offered like a discount on their services. And she, and I won it a couple years prior, like half price for the doula or something like that. And I called her and told her I was pregnant and then I lost the baby. And then it was a couple years later and I'm like, I know it's been a few years, but like, I really want you. Would you still consider giving me that discount? And she said, yeah. And I would pay her three times as much because she was just worth it. But so, um, I really only met with her once before the birth, like for an actual, like sit down and meeting. And I had texted with her a few times when I feel like I was like starting to lose my mucus plug and stuff. Um, but other than that, I just knew of her in the community and I, I followed her on Facebook for years. So I felt like I knew her and in the early stages of labor, like, I feel like we just talked about everything. So I like got to know her more, but, um, she just had an aura of comfort. She, I mean, she grew up like in Papua New Guinea and she grew up seeing births and like, it was just, it's in her blood, you know, a very normal thing for her. Yeah. Yeah. And it, she just exudes that. So yeah, that's huge. And having that, that support and the normalization of the entire process, like obviously that energy played a role in your birth, if it made you feel comfortable and confident in things too. For sure. So what about, was there any postpartum care with your midwife after your birth? So initially they, she was my midwife. This is another thing my husband was uncomfortable with. She was very, and I feel like I just maybe wish she would have communicated better. 
but she was in such a hurry to get my placenta out. And I had always just like, in my research, it was just kind of like, it came out semi-naturally within 30 minutes to an hour. And they were literally pulling it out, gave me Pitocin. So I don't know, I think maybe she was concerned about, you know, bleeding and it was just preventative for her that she wanted to do it right away, but they literally were tugging and pulling it out. And that was very uncomfortable, I guess, for him to see, but I wasn't really feeling it. And then her and mostly her assistant um, did have to give me a few stitches right after. Um, And then she did come to the hospital and my daughter was in the hospital because I wanted a Rogam shot. And she wasn't like totally on board with it, but because I had a few miscarriages, she came to the hospital and gave me a Rogam shot in the bathroom of the hospital. <laughs> um, and then they, her and her assistant came over one other time, like maybe when my daughter was like four or five days old, just to like check and look at the stitches and see how they were and stuff. And then that was basically it. I expected maybe that there were to be more visits, um, but. Are you, do you think if, if there are future children in, in the works, do you think you would go that same route or is there anything you would do differently? Um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely would. I would, um, I would get a different midwife, probably my midwife's assistant who is studying to be a midwife or another one who studied under her really, she did all the work anyways. (laughs) Um, And I would just, the only other thing that I would change about it is just ask the whole team to be more communicative and tell me the facts and then let me make the decision about any other type of care because um, I really didn't want my daughter treated with antibiotics. And because of it, she has, she has major teeth issues. She's, she's had to have like six cavities filled before she was three um, and she doesn't eat sugar or anything. And so basically the dentist was like, well, this can be from antibiotic use. And so I wish that didn't happen, but that's really my only real regret is the whole, her having antibiotics and her being transferred because they didn't communicate and give us the option. Anything else you can think of that you want to add? I don't think so. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for being willing to share your story with all of us. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.